You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. myself am weak, but in him I am strong. My prayer releases his strength. More of him, less of me. And by releasing that through prayer, he has ability to act. God is the source of our strength, but prayer is the channel through which God gives us the strength. We need to be an ever-praying church. We need to be ever on our knees. We need to tap into the strength of God, which is available through prayer. We need to be continually praying, communicating with the Lord, praying to Him, believing Him for His promises, and watch what He can do. No matter how strong we are in our faith, it's easy to do our own thing, despite what God wants. If life is going well, oftentimes we don't give God the credit He deserves and feed our own ego. Today, Pastor Dave wants you to know that you must always put God's glory first in everything you do. Sacrifice yourself daily for His sake. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 12 as he continues his message, Who's that knocking at my door? Have you not heard what the scripture says? From Genesis all the way through the book, Jesus tells them about how he appeared and all these things. And they're amazed at this wonderful Bible study coming along. And all of a sudden they said, stay with us, have some supper with us. And they sat down and he broke bread and he was gone. And the scripture says, didn't our hearts burn when he talked to us? Didn't our hearts burn? I think that's what Peter's feeling right now. Peter is feeling such an amazement. He's considering what happened. What's going on? He's standing in the the street all by himself. The angel is long gone. He's like, wow, wait a minute. Lord, what happened? We read in Acts 12, 12 as we begin our study. And when he considered this, that's what we were just talking about. He came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname is Mark where they were gathered praying. He considers what was happening. And he wants to go now to the meeting where they're praying and tell them the glorious news of his deliverance. He wants to share with them the encouragement because he knows that they'll glorify the Lord and this will greatly encourage their faith. Peter knows that. He probably knew exactly where to go and he knew where his brethren would be held up and he probably surmised the fact that they might be doing. He goes to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark. Now, those of you that don't know, we're gonna be introduced to John Mark he becomes a fellow missionary with Barnabas and Paul. He gets a bad rap about his missionary experience and eventually causes a rift between Barnabas and Paul that is so big that they separate. There's contention there. John Mark goes with Barnabas on a missionary journey, and we think that this contention was so big because Paul is mad. But in 2 Timothy 4, verse 11, Paul, in prison, specifically asks that John Mark would be sent to him. And he says this, because I consider him... Useful for the ministry. Pretty neat. And finally, we know that John Mark was the author of the Gospel of Mark. So the Lord works in mysterious ways. So Peter knew where they would be. And he probably knew what they would be doing, but he wanted to get there and give this exciting news. Their prayers were strong, as we noted. We've been talking about the way they've been praying. Vietnamese praying, their fervent prayers. I can imagine all these people sitting together praying. 
Go with me there, if you will. Probably some of them were praying that Peter would have the courage to die a proper death. Someone might be saying, oh, Lord, give Peter the strength to face his executioner with glory, and, and you would be honored. Just like James did. Do you know that there's a tradition in the old books that were written? It's not in Josephus, but there's a tradition that says that the guard who took James to the execution was so moved by James' witness, so moved by the Holy Spirit, that he accepted the Lord right there on the execution stand and was beheaded along with James. So maybe they were praying, be like that, Peter. Be like that. That's the witness you should be. Maybe some of them prayed that Peter's witness would go far more than that, reaching the government, reaching the officials that were in charge. I don't know. And I'm sure there were some of them in there who dared to step out in faith and say, Lord, you delivered Daniel from the lions. You delivered David from Saul. Now, Lord, please deliver Peter. Don't let him die like James. Of course, we do not know what they prayed, only that it was done in earnest and great straining. We can only surmise that maybe this is what they prayed. But this was a heavy-duty prayer session. They were concentrating on the Lord. They were seeking them with their whole hearts, crying out to them with their entire being. They had no idea that Peter was freed from prison. They had no idea he, at this point, as they were praying, was making his way to the very house that they were at, but they prayed steadfastly. I love this. I love this. In the midst of their prayers, a knock came to the door. What follows is a story of joy, confusion, and humor. I believe the Lord has given us a sense of humor. And if we use it appropriately, it can ease tensions. It can make us feel better about a situation. It takes away the heaviness of the burden sometimes. I believe the Lord has given us a sense of humor. I myself enjoy a good sense of humor. I like to laugh and I like to joke around as long as it's holy laughter, as long as it's in the Lord. I don't like the coarse joking and stuff like that we have to avoid, as Scripture says. But I believe we need to be very, very careful. Scripture says as Peter knocked at the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. So they're all praying at Mary's house. Let this set this up for you. They're all gathered together, and they're crying out to the Lord. There must have been children there, but it doesn't seem to say where the children were. They weren't in the midst of the prayer, but they were there. Maybe they were in another room. But one little girl, Rhoda, and the translation is Rose, she hears the knock at the door, and she goes to the door. She opens the door, and the Scripture says she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness. She did not open the gate, but ran in to announce that Peter stood before the gate. She didn't recognize Peter's face. Maybe it was dimly lit. I don't know. Maybe there wasn't enough light out there. She didn't see who it was, but she heard his voice. She recognized his voice. She must have heard him preach. She must have heard him pray. She must have been around because she recognized his voice. Anyhow, she recognized this. And, you know, she probably heard the prayers of her parents. She probably overheard the prayers. Oh, Lord, Peter's in prison. Free him, please deliver him. So when she sees Peter there, she's excited. She's, wow, there's Peter. This is it. This is him. And immediately she runs and turns. And leaves Peter standing at the door. She doesn't unlock the door. She gets so excited to see Peter there knocking at the door. She forgets to unlock and let Peter in. Imagine Peter's reaction. Hey, Rose. Yo, Rose, you didn't let me in. Come back, Rose. Please, please. And she runs off to tell mom and dad. <laughs> How many times have you witnessed this? Come on. How many times have you witnessed a parent coming home from a long trip Somebody coming home from the military or something like that, comes to the door, the door is locked, knocks on the door, and a little one comes to the door, looks out. <gasps> They're so excited. And turns and runs, Mommy, Daddy, Mommy, Daddy, running. You're still standing there at the door. Wait a minute. You're supposed to open the door. That happens all the time. Come on. Well, this is nothing new. So little Rose is so excited that Peter's there. They didn't have surveillance cameras back there, but I would have loved to have seen the look on Peter's face. Yo, 
So little Rose runs into the prayer meeting and she announces Peter's arrival. This didn't go very well with the adults. I mean, after all, they were praying for Peter's release. They wanted a miracle. Little did they know that the miracle was standing at the front door, standing out there knocking on the door, waiting to be let in. Look at the response that they gave to little Rhoda. They said to her, you're beside yourself. They basically told little Rose she was crazy. You're crazy. Get out of here. Go away. We're paying for Peter. But Peter's at the front door. Go away. We're praying for Peter. But Peter's at the front door. You didn't hear us. Please obey your parents. Go away. We're praying for Peter. I love this. But little Rose was persistent. It says, yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it's his angel. Must be an angel. His angel. Did they think Peter already dead? Now, not really. You see, back in those days, it was very, very common for the Jewish people to believe in guardian angels. So somehow they thought that this was Peter's guardian angel coming to the door. I don't know where they're getting this, but it's pretty humorous to me. Let me ask you this question now. As these believers prayed, did they believe God was able to deliver Peter? And if so, did they believe God would deliver Peter? There's a difference. There's a difference in believing that God is able to do something and believing that he will indeed do something. There's a difference here. But as usual, God has done his part. God did his part. He answered their prayers. He acted on their behalf. And lo and behold, Peter was freed, freed from the hand of Herod. Now, as usual, the Lord is asking for them to do their part. The Lord is always asking us the same thing, to believe. He wants us to trust. He wants us to believe in him. This is where our faith falls short sometimes. God can do the impossible, but we need to believe that he will do the impossible. Sadly, we must face the fact that even in the midst of most fervent prayer meetings, sometimes the spirit of doubt and unbelief happens. We become like the father who cried to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Saints in Jerusalem believed that God was able to answer their prayers, so they kept it up all night and day. But when the answer to their prayers stood at the door and knocked, they refused to believe it. God honors prayers. We see here that God did what he intended to do, regardless of the faith of those who are asking. I love this because this just proves the faith movement. The faith movement says that if you ask something and you have enough faith, it'll happen. And if it doesn't happen, oh, brother, I'm sorry, you didn't have enough faith. Well, I don't see some masterful faith here. I see small, weak faith. These people obviously were praying people, and they longed for a miracle. But when it occurred, they had trouble believing it. Wiersbe said, God graciously honors even the weakest faith. How much more would he do if we would really trust in him? Trust in him without question. We fervently prayer for the conversion of a relative, and when it happens, we think it amazing. Why? It's what God does. What's amazing is our slowness to believe God's ability and his willingness to answer our prayers. What I learned from this story is the power of fervent, heartfelt prayers, even when there is some doubt, is far greater than all the power of all the kings and all the wealth in the world put together. God answers prayers. We've quoted this scripture before, James 5, 16, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. God is able and will answer our cries. The interesting note here is that the one who believed immediately was a little child. Was a little child. When she came and she saw 
and heard Peter's voice. She recognized him, and she went back to tell the gang, Peter's here. She believed. Jesus said in Mark 10, 15, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Childlike faith. Oh, that we would all be little children and we all would have that type of faith to believe in God. As we continue in the story, we look in verse 16. It says, now Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door, they saw him and were astonished. I'm sorry, but I'm stuck on the word they. And my humor is starting to tickle me. They opened the door. I imagine this great crowd of people. You've seen the cartoons where all of a sudden everybody's moving at the same time. I imagine this great big herd of people all walking to the guard together, and they get there, and you go, you open it. No, you open it. No, you open it. No, I'll open it. And they all kind of reach together. When they open the door, do they all peek around the door at the same time? I mean, that's what I'm getting here, this whole crowd of people. It says, they opened the door, and they were astonished. Oh, my gosh, it's Peter. Oh, my gosh, it's Peter. I have a question. When they said this, was little Rose standing beside them? And they said, oh, my gosh, it's Peter. And she go, duh. I don't know. Doesn't say. But their excitement must have been quite noisy because Peter shushes them. He shushes them and says, but motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison in Acts 12, 17. Everybody must have been speaking at once, and there was all kinds of joy. There was all kinds of excitement. They were all just really tied up in this, and they were so excited. What an encouragement when someone gives us a praise report about answered prayer. I love it when someone during the prayer time, when somebody on a Wednesday night says, I have a praise report. It's such an encouragement. I'm a journaler. I love to write journals. And in them, I record prayers. I will pray for somebody and I will write the prayer out and stuff like that and pray certain things. One of the most encouraging things for me to do is every now and then open through those journals and go back and go, wow, God answered that prayer. You know, I see the prayers that God has answered throughout the time that I've been praying, and it's encouraging to me. Praise reports are so encouraging. Peter knew this. Peter wanted them to know God has answered your prayers in a big way. Here I am. Wow, what an exciting time. What an exciting time. Peter says, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. Wait a minute, I thought James was dead. No, this James is the half-brother of Jesus. He's now the leader of the Christian church. You can find out in Acts 15, 13, Matthew 13, 55, and Galatians 1, 19. This James, the half-brother of Jesus, is also the author of the book of James that we have in our Bible. And when we finish verse 17, it says, and he departed and went to another place. No one knows where Peter went after this, except for a very, very brief appearance in Acts 15, Peter walks off the pages of the book of Acts and he makes room for the apostle Paul and the rest of the book of Acts is about Paul's ministry to the Gentile church. In 1 Corinthians 9, 5 though, it does tell us that Peter traveled in ministry with his wife. And in 1 Corinthians 1, 12, it even suggests that Peter visited Corinth. This is just an aside though, and I want to show you this. There is absolutely no evidence that Peter ever visited the church of Rome, let alone founded. There's no evidence of that. If Peter had been in Rome, Paul likely would have never gone there because Paul, according to Romans 15, 18 through 22, never went to where the apostles were. He always went where they were not. Had Peter been there, Paul surely would have written about that in his letter to the Romans and said something of that. There's no evidence that Peter was there. We do have Peter's two epistles 
And many, many believe that the gospel of Mark that I talked about earlier was actually Peter's gospel. Many believe that he dictated it to Mark, and Mark wrote it down. So we have this amazing story of prayer and answered prayer. What an amazing story this is. I found a similar story online, and I want to read it to you. Look at the closeness. It may not have the humor that this one had, but look at the closeness to the two stories. In late 1964, communist Simba rebels took over the town of Bunia in Zaire and began arresting and executing anyone they considered enemies of the revolution. One of the victims was a pastor, Zebedeo Aidu. The day following his arrest was to be a great political holiday, and was part of the celebration great crowds would gather at the monument of their revolutionary leader. There were to be speeches by dignitaries and of the providential capital, which was Stanleyville, and a large number of prisoners were going to be executed in front of the monument. When the day came, the prisoners were taken from their cells, and they were herded into a truck to be taken to a plaza. But for some mysterious reason, the truck refused to start. The prisoners were unloaded, and they were finally compelled to push the truck to get it started. And when they arrived in front of the plaza, the commissioner, the police commissioner, was furious because there was a delay. He was so angry, he lined the prisoners up, and he ordered them to count off by twos. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. The twos were immediately marched back to prison and put in their cells. And when they were there, they heard the ones rushed to the plaza, and they heard gunfire as the ones were killed. They wondered why they were spared and what future held for them. Pastor Zebedeo was one of the twos. He shared with them the hope and eternal of heaven. And that day, eight people gave their life to the Lord. Hardly the pastor had finished ministering the word of God to them when a messenger came in and was panting at the door. The pastor had been arrested by mistake. He was to be freed immediately. Pastor Zebedeo, he bade farewell to the remaining prisoners and he returned to his home, which is next to the chapel that he was pastor of. And when he walked in the chapel, what did he discover? The entire congregation were on their knees praying for his release. The entire congregation was on their knees praying for his release. And when they saw him, they stood up and they all shouted and rejoiced. And what they were shouting was, the God of Peter still lives. How cool is that? Let's bring that to our time now. Let's bring that to our time. The execution of the pastor that we talked about last week in Iran has been stayed. According to March 3rd report from the OCLJ, he's still alive. And they don't know any reason why the execution was stayed. They believe he might be released. They're not sure. Is someone praying? Is someone praying for this guy? I hope we are. You know, it's been said that the story of Peter's deliverance became one of the favorite stories of the early church especially the account of the interrupted prayer meeting. I'm sure they talked about it often, and they, they revisited it a lot, and they probably laughed about it, and they probably thought that little Rhoda was so cute. I wonder how she felt when she became 25 or 26, and her parents embarrassed her. Mom, you tell that story every time. Every time I'm in a crowd, you tell the same story. Stop it. I'm sure they embarrassed her, how she ran in and out. But lives were changed that night in Jerusalem. Lives were changed. The church was reacquainted with the power of prayer and reacquainted with the Lord's provision through the power of prayer. Kent Hughes declares this, it is awesome to truly believe that regardless of the circumstances, God can deliver us anytime he chooses. He continues, it is transforming to truly believe in the ministry of angels. And finally, he says, it's a life-changing event to pray fervently. 
I'd like to leave you with a couple things about prayer today. Every Christian has been given a privilege and an opportunity to have an audience with the one true living God. Prayer is one of the greatest privileges that God has given to man. It is always amazing to me that I can come into the presence of a most holy and righteous God, the creator of the universe, and I can talk to him. And what even amazes me more is that he listens to me. And then what really blows my mind is that he answers me. And every time that happens, I'm mindful of what the psalmist said, what is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you would visit him. It's a humbling experience to pray. It's a humbling experience to know that you're standing before a most holy, righteous God and you can declare to him your needs, declare to him your wants, and he's going to listen to you. It's humbling. Unfortunately, many people think they should receive a merit badge when they pray. And they love to tell you, I prayed an hour today. Well, good. People think they should be rewarded for praying to God. God has been so very gracious to us. And yet sometimes we take so little advantage of what he's given us. Paul told the Colossians to continue to pray in Colossians 4, verse 2. And the Greek word used here speaks of a consistent, constant prayer without ceasing. The Scripture tells us to be persistent in our prayers. Jesus even spoke about two parables about being persistent in prayers in Luke 18, 1 to 8, and in Luke 11, 5 to 10. He talks about being persistent. Persistent doesn't mean vain repetition. Repeating over and over and over and over and over. Doesn't mean that. He says, don't use vain repetitions. But throughout the Bible, we've been giving many, many examples of men and women who prayed. These men and women knew apart from God they could do nothing. They were helpless and had no strength, but they prayed and God became their strength and did wonderful things through them and for them. Likewise, if you look at the New Testament, Jesus said to us in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. (laughs) I've been able to prove this statement way too many times in my Christian life. Apart from Christ, I can do nothing. But there is the strength in the Lord that the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. Apart from Christ, I have no strength. I'm totally helpless. But through Christ, I have the strength to meet any situation and to overcome any difficulty. I myself am weak, but in him I am strong. My prayer releases his strength. More of him, less of me. And by releasing that through prayer, he has ability to act. God is the source of our strength. But prayer is the channel through which God gives us the strength. We need to be an ever-praying church. We need to be ever on our knees. We need to tap into the strength of God, which is available through prayer. We need to be continually praying, communicating with the Lord, praying to Him, believing Him for His promises, and watch what He can do. Watch what He will do in our lives. You've seen it here. We've prayed for things right here in this church, and they have come to pass. They have happened. You've seen it. Even when our faith may seem weak, God is ever strong, and he's ever at work. And my God will take whatever you give him. Remember, the seed of a mustard faith, you could ask a mountain to jump into the sea and look. You can, but do you believe it? You are a sure. 
Thank you for joining us here today on A Sure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of Acts. This book follows the journeys of many disciples, but especially of the Apostle Paul. He took several missionary trips to tell others about Jesus, and he acquired many companions along the way. Wouldn't it be interesting to be a traveling missionary? He met many people who readily accepted the message he was bringing. In other cities, his life was threatened and he was pushed out, as people didn't want to hear about the way. But being a Christian isn't meant to just be an easy road. As Paul's life displayed, you go into it knowing that there will be obstacles that you face. Is it worth it, you might ask? Of course it is. The prize that you'll be rewarded is far more precious than the things of this world. Staying true to Jesus, who gave up everything for you, is the best way you can live your life for Him. We're so glad we got to spend time with you today. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. If you're in the area, we'd love to see you on Sunday mornings. Check out AsureHopeRadio.com for service times and directions. Once again, that's AsureHopeRadio.com. And don't worry if you can't make it in person. On the website, you'll notice links to our live stream via Facebook and YouTube. All of these can be accessed through AsureHopeRadio.com. Don't forget to come back next time as Pastor Dave continues to go through the book of Acts again, right here on Assure Hope.